Indians, it's third straight on this trip, six to one to the ring. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, and talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we can talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they What's going on, everybody? And uh, for those of you that don't root for the New York Mets in baseball, my question that I want to open it is with you. Do you feel the same way when it comes to your baseball team where you're always assuming the worst? The Mets a week ago, uh, if you listened to the past ball show, you would see how euphoric I was and how uncharacteristically fanboy I was over the one team that I do allow to hurt me and how excited I was for the Mets to finally add that extra player, the player that could likely put them over the top. The player that, in some cases, you felt like, hey, you could probably do without, but how much better is your team going to be if you have this player? And it was a week ago today where I was celebrating the potential and likely signing of Carlos Correa, and if I just remembered what it was like to be a Mets fan, I'd assume that we're in the position that we're in right now. And if you're a Mets fan, you probably shouldn't be too optimistic. If you follow the past 62 years of history of rooting for the Mets, you realize that uh, it's basically like Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown to kick. And Lucy's holding it, convinces Charlie Brown that he's going to be able to kick it this time. And he says, are you sure, Lucy? Yeah, I'm sure. I don't believe you, but come on, Charlie Brown. I'm going to do what I can to convince you that I'm going to hold this football, and you kick it. And that's what it is to be a Mets fan. And I feel like Carlos Correa and the way things are going to go here, as we stand exactly a week later, you know, on the 28th day of December, I can't be any more pessimistic when it comes to Carlos Correa and the Mets working the deal out. Now, I feel like they're trying. I feel like there's the issues, whatever they are with the medicals, I don't think the owner is involved as much right now. And listen, if it's a situation where the injury from 2014 is really going to keep him from being able to sign a long-term deal, then I don't want to hear another deal announced with another team for, for 10 years and $300 million. That's part number one. Baker Mayfield. I'm, I, I've been one of the rare Baker Mayfield supporters from day one. You know, kind of a good day to be a Baker Mayfield fan. Watching him torch the Denver Broncos, scoring 51 points, making a good case that he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. And as a Tennessee Titans fan, and if I get a chance, I'm going to touch a little bit on Tennessee, Jacksonville, Week 18, a little bit about that. I'd like to see Baker start over Ryan Tannehill. Maybe the Titans pick him up this year. In free agency, I think there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to look at their quarterback and say, is our quarterback better than Baker Mayfield? And Baker's got two more weeks if he could prepare and play well. It looks like he's healthy. He's in a good offense with, a, a good, obviously, a good offensive coach. If they can allow him to do the things that made him successful in college 
and at times in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. That's a story that I'd like to see resurrect itself because I don't feel like he was pushed out from the Cleveland Browns in necessarily a fair manner. Everybody's weighed in on the Denver Broncos situation, and of course it culminates with the firing of head coach Nathaniel Hackett after said blowout loss, 51, was it, 51 to 14, a national television. The Rams basically embarrassed the Denver Broncos, a Denver Broncos team that, once again, and I, I hate to keep piling on here, but the Denver Broncos team that looked like it was going to be perfect, the Denver Broncos team that looked like it was headed to the Super Bowl before they played a game. They brought in Russell Wilson. They have a good defense. They bring in an offensive-minded coach. They got a two-running-back set. They got some solid receivers. This is a team that had everything. The expectation was the AFC West was going to be the best division in the National Football League, and it hasn't. It's really been one of the worst. In fact, if you think of the uh, the two South divisions, there, other than that, there hasn't been a worse division in the NFL than the AFC West. Obviously, the AFC South, the NFC South, may bring two teams that have losing records into the postseason. So you can't be worse than that. But the other six divisions, there hasn't been worse performance than the Denver Broncos, a little bit from the Raiders. Chargers and Chiefs look like they're going to be okay. But the Denver Broncos, this is a team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl. This was the first team that I thought was declared Super Bowl champions before they ever played a game. And you want to say the scapegoat is gone. Okay. You replaced the coach. You probably identified fairly early on that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't going to be the long-term answer as a head coach of the Denver Broncos. And you know what? I, I believe in it. If you if you believe you don't have the right person, yeah, it's, it's better to give yourself an opportunity to move on and look for somebody else. And I think the Denver Broncos want to get ahead of things. You know, there's been a couple other head coach firings this year, right? So you want to be out there and have the opportunity to get that next big-time head coach, maybe interview, and set yourself up to where you're not getting a secondary or tertiary choice. So if you look at the head coach firings that have existed in the NFL this year, there's three of them now. You know, Denver still, to me, looks like the more prominent job. If I'm looking to come from college, if I'm that top NFL assistant, yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of demand for that Denver Broncos job. But what has to be factored in is the performance of Russell Wilson, and I know others have touched on this, so I'm trying not to be too long with it. Russell Wilson was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Russell Wilson brought his team to two Super Bowl appearances. Could have won that New England game. Maybe a, you know, a, a bogus play call at the end. If you just ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch, you get in from a couple yards out, and Seattle is back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions. And you look much different to being a two-time Super Bowl champ than just winning once. But very, very few quarterbacks win Super Bowls in the NFL. In the days where you got Brady and, and Mannings and you know others that have won multiples, you know, the... Be a Super Bowl champion is something that is cherished. And the Denver Broncos looked at that, gave Russell Wilson that huge contract extension. And you could talk about how good of a person Russell Wilson is, and I believe that. He's, he's great for the community. I think he's an accountable individual. He's the leader that you want for your football team. He deserves to wear the C on his chest. 
he takes responsibility for everything. He does try to build up the others that are around him and make him better. If I'm looking for that quarterback to be the most important person on either one of the fields, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, Russell Wilson checks all those boxes. At some point, you got to evaluate the guy's performance. It hasn't been a good year for him. Now, is it the offensive scheme there in Denver? I think people are trying to make too many excuses for somebody that may be washed. You know, he may be he may be shot. He may be done. And obviously, shot I don't mean in a literal sense. I mean he may not have anything left. And if he doesn't, that's going to set the Denver Broncos back quite a bit of time. Now, the Broncos aren't going to release him after year one or year two or year three. The extraordinary cap hits that are set to hit the Broncos, if they were to do so, is, is a waste of time. You might as well take your shot next year, take your shot the year after, probably take your shot in year four, and hope that Russell Wilson can get himself righted. Because his performance to this point is not acceptable. And if you want to blame the head coach as being the reason that the Denver Broncos have failed to this point, you can't exonerate the quarterback, the Pro Bowl winning, you know, all-pro quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, got his team to another, and the expectation is that they're supposed to win. You can't let them off the hook. You can't exonerate them. You can't tell me that Russell Wilson is not part of the problem here. Now, is there a solution? I mean, maybe you go out there and you Matt Flynn him. And you, and, you, and you think how crazy this might sound, but if you're the Denver Broncos and you're, you're looking, you know, maybe you, you're not going to get it in the first round this year because you gave up your first round draft pick to get Russell Wilson. And as you sit there with one of the worst records in the NFL, you're going to watch as Seattle could go out there and swoop and get, you know, a, a Stroud or a, a Bryce Young or somebody like that. But maybe if you look in the second or third round and there's somebody that you identify that can be a leader, that could be a winner, that could, could potentially be a starting quarterback in the National Football League, I think if you're the Denver Broncos, you take a shot at it. And you let them work with Russell Wilson. And, it, and you know, it goes back to the things I've said before. You don't expect uh, an incumbent quarterback to mentor his successor. You know, Joe Montana didn't do that for Steve Young. Uh, Brett Favre didn't do that for Aaron Rodgers. Ryan Tannehill is not going to do that for Malik Willis, as you heard him say in the offseason this past year. But give me somebody that you can believe in. And if it's not Russell Wilson, then have somebody else on that roster that can do it. And at least at this time next year, if the Broncos are fumbling and stumbling, but showing a little bit of promise, maybe you put somebody out there that isn't Brett Rippon, and you see how the offense cooks with them. And maybe there's a chance that Russell Wilson may be the highest paid backup quarterback in the history of the National Football League. I was thinking about Tennessee and Jacksonville playing in Week 18. One of the rare occurrences where you're looking at, it doesn't matter what happens in Week 17. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the Houston Texans. They could lose to them. The Titans, what seems like it could be a big game against the Dallas Cowboys, doesn't matter. They, they, they could rest all their starters and the team that wins the Week 18 matchup between Jacksonville and Tennessee is going into postseason. And like I mentioned before, what may happen is one of those teams may have a losing record. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Carolina Panthers. A little bit of chance, shot, opportunity for the New Orleans Saints. 
one of those teams may have a losing record and make it into the NFL. And I've thought about how extreme do you want to go in regards to reseeding in the NFL to assure that the teams with the better records play the home games. Because that's the way it works out. I mean, if you're a division champ, let's say you win uh, Division Two or Division Three, you know, I mean, I mean, in regards to high, you know, highest winning percentage, best record, you know, if, if you match up in the AFC Championship or NFC Championship, the team with the second seed has the better record. They're going to have home field advantage. So, how far do you want to go with this? Do you want to reseed after the seven teams are put into the playoffs? In other words, the team that finishes 8-9 and nine has the seventh seed, even though right now they have the fourth seed and a home playoff game. I wouldn't want to go that far. But what I would like to do is, as you set the matchups up, 2-7, 3-6, 4-5 in each respective league, take a look at records. And if the, and if the wild card team went 13-4 and four or 12-5, or, uh, and five, and the division winner went eight and nine, then the game should be played in the in the uh, ballpark or the stadium of the team with the better record. Think about that. Last point in the show today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPiello.com, St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by two ways, one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, rebounds and assist in the NBA. And I haven't brought up an NBA point in a little while, and, you know, I think of uh, Russell Westbrook when I think of this manner in which rebounds and assists are getting to be a little bit overrated. And I think the uh, it's becoming the flashy stat line. Hey, uh, X points, X rebounds, X assists. Uh, that must mean you re- had a really good game. But I think what it's causing is players and the National Basketball Association to be chasing these stat lines as opposed to chasing championships chasing uh, opportunities to give, best opportunities to give themselves and their team a chance to win. Winning should be number one. Going for a championship should be number one. Not individual stat lines. And the media has glorified these X amount of points, X amount of rebounds, X amount of assists. Hey, he had so so block shots, uh, steals, whatever. Uh, I'm starting to look at it in a negative light. Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple-Double, has never won a championship. Does that mean that he has single-handedly brought his teams down? Or am I accusing him of perhaps chasing the stat line instead of doing what he needs to do to make his team better? Now, the counterpoint of that would be, well, assists aren't bad. You're passing the guys, you're giving them shots, rebounds. Listen, you know, especially on the offensive glass, should be helping your teams to win. But the media glorifying the stat lines has allowed for players to chase said stat line instead of chasing the championship. Now, I went a little nostalgic this morning, played the old uh, Passball Show theme song. Uh, I've been going through trying to find some of my older shows, 1 through 148. I think we've recovered about 50 of them so far. So we're going to continue to try to build them up, bring them back. This is Passball Show number 656. And everybody that has spent even a second to click on and listen to a point or two that I've said, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.
you start by telling me this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie. Sell the team.